Welcome to the Like Destiny podcast. Once more about the character of God, and one of his names um, is El Rui, the one who sees me. I love this. Because um, honestly, the lie that Adam believed was that I'm alone. It's just, it's that. He is not present. And that's why Jesus has, I mean, Jesus himself, Yeshua, is, is salvation, savior at, at the root of it. But his name shall be Emmanuel. That was the answer to humanity's question. And Emmanuel is God with me, God with us. So it's just like throughout human's history, there was this question of, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? It's that sort of, and we, we throw that back into God's face constantly because we, it's, it's what Rebecca said yesterday. God did not turn away from Adam. It was Adam that turned away from God. It was this thing, this lie that crept in that now something stands in between me and God and I cannot see him anymore and therefore I and by myself, I am alone. And, and, and not, not even taking ownership of, it might have been me turning away, but it's God, you have forsaken me. It's, it's undermining everything that he says that he is. He is faithful. He is a father. He is everlasting. He is present. I will never leave nor forsake you. This is everything that he says. And it's the undermining of this fear of, I don't want to be alone. That is, that is the, I think this, if a human being comes to that point of genuinely believing that I am completely alone, that is hopelessness. That is, there's, that is that. And that's why uh, we do anything to be part of a group. Because I just, I don't want to be alone. I'm so afraid. So that's, I, I know it's really, it's pop psychology. So, so forgive me for that. I think that's, that's part of the appeal of just gangs and, and all that. It's, I don't necessarily agree with everything that we do, but I don't want to be alone, so I'll do whatever it takes to be part of this group. Um, I'm willing to sell out myself, my identity, for the sake of not feeling alone. It is. And then there's God. It says, do you know that one of my names... One of my traits, one of those things that I cannot choose to be or not to be. This is who I am. I see you. I love this. I see you. Um, and it's, a, it's like, I see you. Not like, oh, over there, hey, how is it going? You know, like presidents is like, oh, yes, yes. Thank you for your donations. Thank you. It's not like God's, oh, thank you for your offering. Thank you for your tithe. Thank you for Thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your midnight intercession. It's not him. It's like, I see you. Like, it's this face-to-face thing. Like, it's this, there's no hiding. There's no, because this, it's, it's both the most relaxing, satisfying, and peaceful thing. And at the same time, the most disarming thing as well, because because we're so afraid and we're so afraid of rejection, I will not let you see me. That's where we put on all the masks. We're trying to impress each other. And we take on, like, oh, I'm the funny guy. Oh, I'm the 
more intense person. We take on all sorts of traits that we think, oh, this is going to be something that will help me define who I am and will help you relate to me. But I cannot just let you see who I really am. Because if you know who I am, you probably wouldn't want to listen to me. Yeah? Because you think, Timo, who are you to talk? You know, that seriously, and this is deep, deep, deep down. And there's this, this process of us walking in his light, being completely seen by him. Like to know him as we are known now. That's, that's his, ah, oh, this is it. And, and as weird as it is, because our mind, you know, God knows everything. He sees everything. And yet, in your relationship with him, you're still trying to impress him. Because you still think, uh, if I, Zara at the moment, she's three. And she thinks she can outsmart me by, by, huh? Out, she's cleverer than me. She can outsmart me. By way of distraction. Yeah? Zara, it's bedtime. Oh, no, 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 no. I need to play, 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 play. It's like, oh, as if I'm like, oh, yeah, completely forgot about <laughs> bedtime. Now we play. Of course, clever you. Yeah, that's what she does constantly. Zara, I don't know, clear the table. Bring your, oh, no, 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 no. Blah, blah, blah. And she's just talking about something else. Hoping to distract me from this thing. This, it's so obvious. And I just, I need to tell us, stop talking. Do what I ask you to do. Because none of this really matters right now. This is important. I see you. Not in a, I'm watching you. Yeah? Not like the evil eye. But I see you. There's no need for you to, ah. Uh, like often, it's, it's really funny. Have you taken the last chocolate? With chocolate on my phone? Mm-mm. <laughs> Still chocolate on her mouth. <laughs> do you know what happened to the chocolate? It's like, right. I see you, Zara. I see you. And it's not. In, and then there is. Let me, let me then parent you healthily to a place of both self-restraint and, and a genuine feeling safe in my presence that you can own up to your shortcomings and know that even when I'm sad, that doesn't cause you to shrink away from me. Because um, we're so afraid of disapproval all the way through. Just, ah, oh, especially from leadership. And then we do anything, especially in church. Can I volunteer for this? Can I vo-? And then, you know, Andy's going to be really happy with me if I do this. Oh, have you seen how I've done that? And it's like, oh, it's please, please, please let me know that I am loved, valued, that you approve of me. Because I'm so afraid that if I don't do it, if I don't impress you, um, it's just, you, you won't see me. I don't have any value for you. And, and, and it's just, it's honestly, it's at the bottom of, of this big turning away from God that Adam and Eve went through. It's, I don't think that you see me. And then out of this, all sorts of accusation comes. So there he is in Genesis 16. Uh, we've got the story of... Um, Sarah, she wasn't Sarah yet. She was Sarai. And Abraham wasn't Abraham. He was Abram. And God's promising them something. And uh, do you know that Abram laughed before Sarah? We only remember Sarah laughing. Oh, yeah, yeah, the woman. She didn't believe. Abraham, God told him and he laughed first. 
But somehow we like we skip this thing. It's like, yeah, let's blame the woman again. She didn't believe. Anyway, I'm just going to read you the story. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. In the words of Admiral Akbar of Star Wars, it's a trap. Don't do it, Abraham. If ever your wife tells you, just go and sleep with somebody else. Don't do it. You know, it's like, it's a bad idea. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, now, this is it. You know, there's, there's never just one party that's at fault. Welcome to human history. It's never just, oh, he's the bad guy and he's the good guy. It's just never as clear as that. Yeah. When she knew that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. And everyone's like, whoa, 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 what? How am I? Well, you slept with her. It was your idea. You slept with her. And that trumps everything. Trust me. That just not not the, not that I'm speaking out of. <laughs> like I just read the story. A friend told me once. Um, then Sarah said to Abram, "You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me." <laughs> She's pulling out the big guns. Your servant, uh, Abraham. Ah. He is the father of faith, all right? I love this. The cross redeems everything. And you have no right to address your past without the cross. You don't. Because your past does not belong to you anymore. Your past is God's property. And you see, you read the story of Abraham and in Genesis. And then you read the story of Abraham in Hebrews again. And they read like completely different stories. In, Abra- in, in Genesis, Abraham's, Abraham's willing to sell out his wife to save his own life. Abraham is sleeping with somebody else. Abraham doesn't take ownership of anything. Abraham laughed when God said, hey, you're going to have a son. Abraham is just like, oh, all hope is lost. Then you read it through the cross in Hebrews 11. Abraham Without wavering, believe God. Yes, I, that's not the story that I read. But this is what the cross does to your past. You, you have been redeemed, completely redeemed. Not just from now on, be good. Jesus has taken your past. He says, you know what? That belongs to me now. So whenever you address your past, you're not allowed to address it without the cross. You're not. It's... It's illegal. Yeah. Because if you do that, I'm telling you, you will, you will allow lies to enter your reality today. Because your past without the cross does not line up with his promises. It won't. And that's when you get in trouble. He's like, yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about and, and, and it's just like, yeah, it's illegitimate. Yeah. 
You're not allowed to do this. Can I make this any clearer? Hopefully not. Just don't approach your past without the cross. So where were we? So she just, she just accused Abraham, may the Lord judge between you and me. And then Abraham's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Your servant is in your hands. He's like, I, uh, all right, I'll step with her, but the rest is your problem, Sarah. <laughs> what a guy. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. That has to be really, really bad if a slave decides to flee. Because you are, you're going to be headhunted. And, and that is just, death is kind of certain there. But that seems to still be a better option than staying. So this is not just, I've been bullied. Not, not making light of bullying, but that was, that is. The angel, of, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai. Isn't that amazing? He calls her. By, not by, hey, Hagar, how's he going? Oh, yeah, poor you. Mm, ah, yeah. Oh, what a miserable boss you have. Is that Hagar, servant of Sarai. Just, you can run, but you can't hide. Not in, a, not in a horrible way, but he sees you. He sees you. Hagar, where am I? Servant of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going, Cotton Eye Joe? I'm right there. I'm, and I love, I love the interaction that, that they have with God. Because you, if God comes to you, hey, what are you doing? The most spiritual answer would be, oh, Lord, you know. Yeah. She's like, uh, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. As if he doesn't know. But she, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress. Submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants. Here's a promise now. I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. That's the same promise in terms of numbers that was made to Abraham and his, the, the, the son of promise. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave him this name to the Lord. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Be'er Lahai Roi. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Yeah, that, that's a story you can, you can go in all sorts of different directions in terms of making a point out of this story. Um, the only thing that I want to draw from this and then leave the rest to other preachers, is he sees you. He really does. He's not ignorant of the fact that you're going through crap. Yeah, he really does see you. Um, and then there's times 
when he says it's time to come out. Then there's times when he says go back. And when he says go back, there's always that promise as well. It's like this is this is it. Now, um, because when we when we don't there's this there's this need inside of us that needs to be heard, that needs to be understood, that needs to be seen. And that's where that's where arguments, you know, when people are drunk in the pub, that's that's when they just escalate because in their drunken stupor, they just, I can't comprehend what you're saying. And then so you're telling me again, no, 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 no. I really love you. Yeah, this is a fun one. I really love you. No, I really, it's like this, this thing of like, I mean, I need to say it so many times until I somehow feel that you've heard me. Between husband and wife, you've done this, you've hurt me there, you're disappointing me there. Why are you bringing this constantly up? Because you're not hearing me. Yeah, this, it's, this, it's this constant contention in relationship. This, I need to share myself with you, but I'm struggling because actually I don't feel that you have completely understood exactly my pain or the joy or my, the, ah, the need that I was trying to express to you. And then there's God and says, but I see you. You don't need to explain it to me. I know exactly what's going on. But if it makes you feel better, explain it to me again. It's like, oh, Sarah, I'm here because she's mistreating me. I'm fleeing. And so we often do that. It's like, oh, God, I know you know everything, but I'm just going to tell you, oh, my boss, he's really evil. And he's not Andy. But he's just, you know, uh, and this is happening and this is happening. And this is all unfair. And that's, that's what I often do in my journal. Like, this is not right. This is unfair. As if he's like, oh, wow, I, I didn't know it anymore. Thank you for writing it down. I, just, I, I would have not known. But it, just, it makes us feel better. It really does. It's like this, oh, I can bear my soul before God. And him in his, in his desire to, to develop a genuine relationship with us, he's not like, don't need to say a word. I know everything. He's like, zip. This, that saves us time. Just don't say anything. I'll give you the answer. It's like, no, he, he invites this dialogue, even if it's a moaning one. Um, and then he always brings that hope that I see you. You're not, this is not a hopeless situation. You're not forgotten. You're not on your own. You know, in this situation, you, you feel like you're being mistreated and nobody cares, nobody sees, but I see you. It's, it brings this peace and the security and this ah, oh, my dad knows this is not i'm not forgotten i'm not left it's a story of david and saul you know and uh and um long story short the only reason why david has to run away is because of jealousy of saul that first of all, he's just jealous because people sing songs about David that are much better than about Saul's. Like, you know, Saul killed thousands, David killed ten thousands. Like, oh, that, that sucks. Um, that's, let's kill him then. Um, it's, I mean, David just incredible heart towards a leader. And then David runs away because he has to, he has to flee. Um, and then, and then the people that, surround david are people that had to flee as well now 
as far as we know, those people weren't fleeing because Saul was jealous of them. They weren't fleeing for being persecuted for godly reasons. Yeah, they were fleeing because they did something wrong. Yeah, they were the ones that were disgruntled. I've tried to kill the king, but it didn't work, so I better run. So these are all the people that are just really, they're, they're unhealthy bunch of people. Yeah, these are the, this is the ISIS. I'm not kidding. This ISIS didn't just appear one day where somebody woke up thinking, you know what? I'll just blow everybody to hell. This is, this, this is coming from this ultimate pain of oppression and then some very unhealthy fundamental theology probably mixed in there as well. But it's... Yeah, I'll leave it at that. But, but there's this bunch of disgruntled people that David constantly, through him... His leadership, his example, he's just inviting them to join him on this journey of greatness. And, uh, and I mean, there's, there's just, he provides for them. He looks after them. He leads them. He leads them literally from victory to victory. They follow him even into exile. There's just loyalty until uh, they get robbed once. Wives, children, animals, everything. And then they think, and David's wives and kids were stolen as well, yeah? And then they, they think, well, let's, let's kill somebody. And we usually do that to the person at the top. Something doesn't go well at the church, it's the pastor's fault. Let's sack him. Let's get a new one. He's probably going to do much better. Yeah, that's usually in, it's, it is like in companies, something happens, the CEO needs to go. And it's just, it's that. Um, and in that place, I love that David's heart toward his men. It's incredible. He didn't turn around like, oh, you know, in indignation. You bunch of no goods, miserable delinquents. You've done, you, you dare thinking of stoning me after all I've done for you? It's nothing like that. He just, they're thinking of stoning him. They're talking of stoning him. They're not just thinking it now, talking now. He goes into his tent and all we know is he strengthens himself in the Lord. However that looks like. Put on a bit of soaking music, um, read a bit in the Torah, who knows. Um, it's just, you know, he only had the first five, four books, five books there. Like there was no Samuel Kings just yet. Um, we don't know. I had his harp and he's like, doo, doo, doo. the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> we don't know. But in this place, he just he just learned to. You know, I'm in exile. I'm, I'm, this is all after he had the prophetic word and the action. Yeah, it wasn't just a word. He was actually anointed to be king. Yeah. And then it just, just went downhill from there on. Just really, really bad. To the point where he has to pretend that he lost his mind. It's, it's crazy. I mean, unbelievable, just complete humiliation in all of this. And then his closest friends like, just disown him. They want to kill him. And in this place, he's just like, you know what? But there's one who sees me. I'm not alone. There's, there's still God. And uh, this is just, and, and it's really easy for us to say that on a good day. But, but you will know 
how much of that truth has sunk into you and when how you react on a bad day. It's like, ah, oh, but there's still God. It's just good. So here they are um, back in, in uh, on the move. And Saul is, is chasing David again. They heard, oh, Saul heard, oh, David's over there in the mountains. Let's go and kill him. Um, so there he is. Saul had a big barbecue. He needs a toilet. He goes into this little cave. And David's men are hiding all in that cave further back. Saul sits down to do a little number two. And, uh, is, and then, so this is, this is like Alibaba and the 40 thieves. They're, they're, they're waiting here in the cave. There's Saul, just by himself, because, you know, even as a king, just, guys, you wait outside, I'll, I'll do my thing, I'll come back out again, don't worry. So he's by himself. Now, David has the word of the Lord, you will be king one day. He has the anointing of the prophet. Yeah. He has all sorts of reasons why you've been persecuting me for no reason. Enough is enough. Now, now his friends are giving him more prophetic words. This is the Lord. Putting, putting the king in your hands. Kill him now. This is it. This is your opportunity. Like, seriously. And then David does this, this amazing thing. He just crawls up to Saul. While Saul is cuts off a little piece of the rope, crawls back again. Um, but actually, before he does that, he says this thing. Like, may the Lord do this or that to me. Like, whatever that means. Like, may he strike me dead. If I lay my hands on the Lord's anointed. Now, the thing is, we can argue whether there was still anointing on Saul or not. Because, I mean, there was times when he was demon-possessed. Just completely off his mind. And yet, David is like, I will not elbow my way into a position. No matter how many prophetic words I had. Because if I force myself into this position, I will have to hold on to it by force as well. It's just, it will happen. In whatever you do, in, in church, at, in your business. And you, you'll see this. If there's people that have, that have, you see this in politics. People that have led a revolution that everybody was so hopeful for. And they had to force their way, force the old government system out to bring this, what seems like this hopeful new thing into it. 10, 20, 30 years later, they've become worse. They're, they're the same dictators now, the same oppression. Because if I force my way in there, I will, I will have to use force to stay in there, to keep that position. Everybody that's trying to come close to who I am, where I'm at, I will perceive as a threat. And as sad as it is, we have this in churches as well. We're just like, you know, I'm the main dog and nobody's allowed to come up there because I'm the main dog. And ah, that's why I think kings are such a, it's, it's liberation in so many ways. The fact that you won't know on a Sunday walking in church who is actually leading the church? They might not even be around. I'm playing golf at the moment. Just, it's incredible. Honestly, it is. This, this thing of, I'm not holding on to this. I don't have to defend anything. It's just, it's just there. So David has this amazing thing of, I will not force my way into the promises of God. 
Where then later on, um, this is, I'll come back to the story in a second. Later on, when David was established as king, this is like God is establishing him on the throne. Now, David, he was an amazing king, a man after God's own heart. A rubbish dad. Just, that, that is a whole other thing. His house was a mess. Um, one of his sons is leading another revolution, trying to overthrow. And, and this is all with like, oh, yeah. And, and, and this is, again, just be careful what you say or be careful about the people that you listen to. Because that, that was Absalom. And Absalom listened to the people. And, and what he said, I'm paraphrasing. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I know, I know my dad's he, he's doing something. If I was king, I would do it a bit different. If I was king, I would listen. I would hear your. This is what the presidents these days, the candidates in the U.S. at the moment, but actually every political candidate is like, I'm the man of the people. Yeah. If I'm in, if I'm in power, I will listen to you. Oh, and then there's this, all right, let's, let's go for Absalom. Let's overthrow King David because he's evil and he's not listening to us. And he's all about, you know, I don't know, war or something. Um, and this, this whole 24-7 worship thing. Who understands what he's doing there? Um, all that. And then Absalom, he just, I mean, off his mind, stuff that he does. But he, he overthrows the throne. And David, this is, there's, as far as David is concerned, he knows he's the anointed one of the Lord. But he, he's so confident in the, in it's, and that's a gift from God, the position that God gave him. It's like this kingship is a gift from God. I did not do anything to put this in my hand, nor do I have to do anything to hold it. As soon as I do this, something is not quite right in my heart. So Absalom comes along and wants to take it out of David's hand. And David does the unimaginable. He flees. He doesn't put up a fight. And then, and then he flees across the river and there's a guy cursing him out. And then one, one of his bodyguards is like, David, do you want me to kill him? Because it wouldn't be a big deal. You know, just that, it's done quickly. And David's like, no. Because who knows whether the Lord has taken it out of my hand and given it to somebody else. And if he has, who am I to fight against what God is doing? But if this, all this isn't God, then he will bring me back into my position. Because he has put me there, he will establish me there. But if it's my time to abdicate, then, then, then I don't want to be the one that fights against God. It's unbelievable. And then David comes back and it's, I mean, unbelievable stuff. But this, and this is not all, you know, Zen and David's like, oh, you know, everything's bliss and this is glorious. Read the Psalms. There's not much bliss in there. There's a lot of, ah, and just, oh, you were my brother, my closest friends. We worship together. Now you're betraying me. God, this is not fair. Kill them all. You know, there's going to be, there's some, some pretty rough stuff. And then in the midst of it, and it's like, yes. Everything in the Psalms, always, there's this turning point where it's like, and I'm looking to you. It's like, oh, all right. He is the one that sees me. He, he, just, he just does. He's the one that has me, holds me. He sees me. Um, yeah. So back to the cave. Yeah. And David's just cut off a little bit of Saul's robe. Saul's walking down again. And then 
And then David stands and he just holds this thing up and he, oh, he calls Saul, my father, my father. He is his father-in-law, but there is this, it speaks about a, I, this is Kylo at its extreme. You have not the power to determine whether I shut my, my heart down toward you. You don't. You can even persecute me and want to kill me. I still keep my love on. Honestly, I, I, I don't know if any of us would be just happy saying, at the very least, I'd be like, Saul, what are you doing? I mean, David did that later on as well. It's like, may the Lord judge between you and me. But you know, I could have killed you and I didn't. My father, my father. Just this, there's a constant throughout Saul's life and beyond a begging of David for reconciliation. And even after Saul and then Jonathan died, David's looking for people of Saul's bloodline that he can bless. I just, and then he gets, you know, this is the story of good old Mephi, Mephibosheth. Just come, eat at the table, just be part of this. But this is, this is honor at the core because, because this whole thing, it may look so unfair, it may look so evil, it may look so out of whack, but he sees me. And this brings such security and peace inside of me. Ha! Ah. The gifts of God, they're irrevocable. And the callings of God as well. And that's an odd thing. If I was God, I would have done it differently. I would have done like trial periods. And I would have put a little clause in there. If you mess up too much, I'll take it back. Um, because I don't want you to embarrass me. That's, that's, that would be my biggest thing. Yes. And, uh, and God's just so confident in his majesty that you messing up royally in his name on camera is not taken away from who he is. Oh, that's, that's big. Yeah? Because that's when we distance ourselves from people. That's when we draw, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to be associated with that person. Do you remember... Um, when was that? 2007, eight, with Todd Bentley when there's just like massive revival happening um, and he just broke open something for the body of Christ worldwide for the church in terms of the miraculous and the healing. Now, Todd just done messed up royally, publicly. Yeah, and... Uh, and so many people disowned him. So many people. Because I've, I've, I followed it on Twitter. It's like, oh, Todd's coming over. Todd this. Interview with Todd. A week after this all opened up and um, just that, that failure was public. There was no interviews anymore with Todd. Nobody wanted to be except Bill. And, uh, and Rick Joyner actually took him in and, and just walked him through healing, not, not public punishment. Because we often in the church are like, oh, yeah, you need to go through a, uh, a season of, yeah, just discipline, church discipline, we call it. But it's basically just, I just want to throw some rocks and feel good about it because you've just scared me too much. Because you, now I feel I'm looking bad because you're my leader, 
and I've followed you, I trusted you, and now you messed up, and that makes me feel very insecure, look very bad as well, all of that. So Rick John, just incredible, takes him in. Bill Johnson, just the day, not the day after, the Sunday after, just you'll need to, if you haven't watched it yet, and on, you can find it on YouTube or Bethel TV, just his, his message was like, you know, we're, we're, not once will we ever condone sin, but this is what Jesus is doing. And if anybody wants to throw the first stone, by all means, you just it's between you and Jesus, but we are standing here. We're not, we're not, we're not taking sides, and I think this is it. We're not, we're, not, we're not justifying anything. We're not explaining anything. We're here to love. And in that process, there will be all sorts of restoration that's going to happen. And then, whoo! And, then, and then, but then you get thrown into the same thing that that person is in. Because now you're standing with that person. And people will draw lines between you and them because you're standing with that. And I um, have to be okay with it. God sees you. He does. It's, um, I think this is, this is it, this journey of, ah, this beautiful character development that God has for us. Yeah. And it, it honestly, if it, if it was possible in the good times to develop character, there would be just good times. But it's just much more effective to develop character in bad times. Because it, it just is. You know that for yourself. And that nobody likes. Now, let me put, it, let me put this. Everybody loves having a breakthrough testimony. A deliverance testimony. But we need to realize that in order to have for us to have the test, testimony, we actually need to have a situation that needs delivering or breaking through. And nobody wants to be in that place. So we'll actually fight God to just, we, we're going to be kicking and screaming and, and he's not making us do anything. But this, the beautiful thing about Jesus and the submission, he gets baptized. The very next thing is the Holy Spirit, not the devil. Holy Spirit leads him into the desert. Yeah. And there's this, come on, Jesus. Because now there's just a whole nother promotion waiting for you. If we can put it this way. Jesus is like, all right, this is, this is going to be good. Because he doesn't lead you into any situation for you to fail. Whatever, whatever challenge there is in front of you, he has fully equipped you. If you know that, you're going to be like, all right. If you don't know that, you'll be kicking and screaming. And you'll be going around the mountain for 40 years. The thing is, you'll run out of time before God does. So it's just in your own best interest. Be like, let's do this now, Jesus. Come on. And then um, I, I don't do it every time, but I've learned to do it hopefully more often than not. To say, all right, I really don't like this, but let's do this, Jesus. Because A, it's going to address an, uh, a lie in my life where I don't believe that you see me or that you provide for me. And actually, it's going to be walking through this that with the assurance that this is actually, you have equipped me for this. There's everything that I need you've given me to walk through this thing victoriously. So I don't see it right now. Let's do this, though. Um, it says in Romans 5, 
one, uh, which one shall I read? Um, all of it. One to five. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I love this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Yeah, this is because everybody rejoices when they won the lottery. Romans 5, 1, and, 1 to 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Seriously, like that's a, it's an, it, the very first thing that comes out of your mouth is an indicator of whether you believe that he sees you, that he's with you, that he's equipped you, or whether this lie pops up again. It's like, see, I'm all alone. See, he's let me down. See, he's not faithful. It is whatever problem there is, whether I can rejoice through it. It's like not being happy for the problem, but to have joy throughout this thing. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they're good for us. They help us to learn to endure. But it's, it's this longevity. It's this, oh, but I've set my sight. I set my goal on this. So if there's a bit of a, tough season in between doesn't matter because i've got my sight firmly set on this thing here and endurance develops strength of character in us and character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation this is it character strengthens our hope it's like oh i want more hope um it's gonna be a trial <laughs> and that trial it's going to lead to great character. And with that character, trust me, oh, you'll be hoping in no time. Like, yeah, that, that, that's not what I meant when I said I want hope. I just, I was hoping to wake up with hope. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's all there, but just let it grow. And this is, you know, back to what Rebecca said yesterday. It's not this gift from God that he says, all right, at the end of, it's not like a, a computer game. And at the end of the level, you get an upgrade of hope. It's, it's all inside of you, but it, the, the maturity, it's almost like, um, you know, yeast is just yeast until it gets activated. And so you've got it all there. But those trials, they activate this thing and then it starts growing. And then you start, oh, this, oh, this is amazing. Oh, hope is just, wow. Where did that come from? Oh, I just needed a little bit of trial. So, all right, then. I, I know it. I'm not into a suffering theology or punishment theology. None like this. Give me happy days any day. You, you need, today's a good day. This is my favorite sentence, full stop. Yeah? But I need to be able to say this through the rough seasons as well. For we, whoa, sorry, Alan, I can't. And this expectation, this hope will not disappoint us. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Or it's being shed abroad. It's like a big bucket that he just poured across our hearts. It's right there. The angel says to, um, to Hagar in, in Genesis 69, go back to your mistress and submit to her. It's like, this is, this is take the low road. Take you can do that when you know that he sees you. 
when you think you're on your own, when you think it's up to you, when you're a self-made man, self-made woman, you, it'll be impossible for you to do that. Yeah, and there's so much, I mean, this is just the source of so many church splits and all sorts of things because then leadership doesn't agree or the worship leader has a different vision than the pastor or whatever it is. And just rather than being able to, he sees me. I don't need to fight for my position. I love this in James, even though people don't like the book of James. It's still in there. I trust that God knows exactly what he's doing. James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. It's that I, I, it's never been my job to establish me. It's always been him that establishes me. Yeah. Um, and that's the beautiful thing. Like if, if he gives you something, whatever it is, a position, a gift, a job, a title, and he gives it to you, just keep holding it in your open hand. And then, if it looks like it's been taken out of your hand, just, that's okay. Let it go. If you fight for it, ah, uh, then if it might have never been yours to have, and that's really okay. Can I, I need to tell you a story? I'm just, about two years ago, Andy and Sharon. Um, met very intentionally with, with Ben and myself and said, look, you know, this is, we're thinking about succession. We're thinking about just um, raising our people that we can just hand Kingsway to and just and a big honor, right? Yes, of course. Just, I love you guys. You're your mom and dad to me. This is, this is great and I'm here. This is, uh, I've got no plans to go anywhere. This is, this is me. Um, so just doing all of this, and then I was journaling one morning and I just heard God say, Kingsway is not yours to lead. Oh, all right. Because, I mean, this is, if there was, the, the bad thing about my job, there's no career in it. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> this, I've plateaued job-wise for the last 10 years. This is it. There's no ooh, more. Could be bishop or something, but that. Uh, yeah, so, but there was this thing of, oh, wow, this is, there, there's been trust that's been given to me and a great expectation. And, and just, and then all the bits that I thought, ooh, you know, if I was leading Kings, I would do it differently from Andy and Sharon because they're great. But I'm better. Yeah, because I can, I, they, they've, they've done it so far. It's a bit like, like um, David and Solomon, you know, or oh, they've taken it here and I'll just be, I'll be the man of peace. I'll just be extending it like, hoo, hoo. you won't be, you won't, you won't be recognizing Kings anymore when I'm the guy on top. And God says, it's not yours to lead. So that was a really hard chat to have because I felt like I'm actually letting Andy and Sharon down because they invested all that time and stuff in me. I just had to be like, you know what, Andy and Sharon, that's, just thank you so much. But it's, it's, it's actually not mine. This, this cup that looks like it's been actually given into my hand doesn't belong there. Just, I, I don't know who's, who that belongs to, but it's definitely not mine. And just be okay with that. And not being like, yeah, but, but what about me then? 
So, okay, that's somebody else's, but where am I going to go? Because that's what we always do. It's like, oh, all right, I, oh God, if you're taking this one, then, then what am I left with? Just give me something. So I, I just hold on to that. At least, at least I've got something. Um, and I mean, they're incredible. They're like, oh, this is so good because, you know, if, if God says don't do it, we don't want you to lead it. Oh, thank you. I mean, it makes sense, but honestly, there's so many things in the kingdom of God that we do out of this weird obligation. Um, and, uh, and it's glorious, and look where we are now. So I just want to let you know that God sees you. He knows you. With what happened to you? I mean, you gave your cup away, you gave it back to see where you mm-hmm. it. And then, because then you, because you said you recognize the moment where everybody's like, well, what about me? Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and I think this just being content, this is what Philippians talks about in the Amplified Bible, the peace of God, being content with its earthly lot. I think that that was a big thing for me in this season, too. Um, My own personal journey was that of, I love pioneering. I love developing stuff. I love, I've started this school here. And, just, and, uh, and within Kingsway, I always fought, pushed for this thing of, come on, we're not just a little village church. We have so much to give. And that's it's very true. But there was an, definitely an unhealthy aspect of, we need to have more conference so more people can come through so we've got more influence and big and it's going to grow and Manchester, yeah? Not just Bethel or Toronto, but Manchester. Uh, and then Andy and she was like, nah, I don't think, I don't think that's us. It's like, what do you mean? Why, why, who says no to fame and riches and people and all that? Like, well, we do because um, that's just not us. Like, you know, it's almost offensive, this piece of just like, you mean I can bribe you with, with any of my amazing visions? Like, I just, just don't feel this is, this is really us. But we need to learn who we are as a church so we walk in confidence and give, can give away who we are and what we are, but not in order to be seen or not in order to whatever out there. So that, that was just my journey, my personal journey, to be genuinely content and at peace with today. And uh, so, and then God's saying, actually, this is not yours. And uh, in the past, there's ta- there's been times when he's given me an alternative. And I don't know. I'm going to put it down to my maturity now. <laughs> that might be true or not true. But it felt like the younger I was in my faith, I needed an exchange because I couldn't handle just an empty hand. I needed something. So, okay, God, what else is it then? And I think the more I'm walking with him and the maturity of, not even, it's sonship. Just, oh, he's my dad. This trust that, all right, just just take it out of my hand. I'm, I know something will come. I don't need to know what it is right now. I don't need to have something immediately either in my hand. And just because actually where I'm at right now is, that's okay. And if this is what I'll do for the rest of my life, 
If I will never have 50 million followers on Twitter, that's okay. You know, you're laughing, but that is my, my personal biggest drive is influence. I don't care about money that much. I'd like to have enough to pay the bills, but the money was never, that's, if money is a, don't go into ministry. It's like you'll be manipulating people or you'll be constantly disappointed. Um, and and this whole fame was something that I wanted to be a rock star when I was younger, but that's not really. But influence is a it's that is my it's my currency. This is what this is what drives me. This is what is important to me. And so that is a real thing. Of there is with yeah. I think that's why I always wanted to have Kingsway bigger than it is, uh, make it a conference center or something, because then, then we'll have influence. Um, and in that place, even just that, that, that thing of the need to influence, just say, ah, just even that, I'll be content with an influence of this. And this, allowing God to say, and this is success rather nothing you know compared to so so and so that was my own personal journey through that process as well rather than thinking all right this is going to be my season and then we're going to be successful because now we can influence loads more people um and just holding it and just empty-handed but not not in a lacking way but just in a i'm really content and uh that was alan he actually explained it to me like this when I was going through this wrestling thing of, you know, I'm this, this pioneer inside of me that loves digging up the ground, that loves sowing the seeds, that loves casting the vision for, oh, this is what it's going to be like, whatever it is. This is what the field is looking like. This is what the house is going to look like, all of this. But then when it's built, that's when, then it's just this maintaining. And, and people, are, some people are born to maintain. They love it. That it, to me, just it's die of boredom like why would anybody want to maintain but that's just who i am i know people that are just like pioneering is the last thing they want to do but give me give me a structure that i can work within and just do it well and keep it going it's like yes and and so i was constantly looking for that person can i can i please just pass it on to somebody so i can pioneer again do something new and then that was a season of just that was a, a long season years of just learning to it's okay and if you just if you're just maintaining right now you, you're farmer you know you've you've established the boundaries of your field and now it's just going through the season not through the motions but through the seasons the season to sow season to reap season to sow and it's okay and just genuinely being okay with it rather than feeling i'm missing out or i um i'm not as successful as i was hoping to be or, or, and then comparing yourself to all the other people that are my age or probably younger that are more successful than I am. Ah. And the older you get, the more younger people there are that are successful. It's really, honestly, it stresses you out. Uh, and so just in that, just, but it all comes down to this. He sees me. He does. Absolutely. And he's put desires in my heart. And I need to trust him that if they are from him, 
he will establish that. And if there aren't, then it was never mine to hold on to. I think that's... Ah, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I think, I think that's it. That's where Abraham as well. You know, Abraham had this, this dream, this promise from God that through Isaac, all this is going to happen. And then, and then when God asked him to sacrifice Isaac, he says to his servants, me and this boy will go up, we'll worship, and we will come back. And it's this thing of just um, allowing God, allowing him, no, you being willing to put your dreams, your desires on the altar. And, and this is, again, not in a beating myself up or we need to kill the old man. Not, none of this weird stuff. It's just a genuine, Dad, these are really important things in my life. And actually, I believe they're from you. I've even had some prophetic words to um, confirm that. But, but this seed actually may grow into something a bit different than what you picture it to grow. So, Dad, I don't, I don't want to mess it up. So here it is again. Just It's all yours. This is really dear to me. This is my, this is my dream. This is my son. These are, this actually represents all your promises as well. And I trust you that when I give it to you, it's actually safe. And it will come back into my hands because it's from you. It's like David. The kingdom has been given to David and nobody can take it away from him. I don't need to hold on to this. And so just that confidence that Abraham had, you know, we'll worship God don't know, don't know how this is all going to happen, but me and the boy will come back. Jesus, then, you know, years later, doing the same thing, trusting his dad. And I think this is it. Just the promises of God will always come back down the mountain. And if, if it wasn't from God, uh, thank God that it stays on the mountain. Thank God that it stays on the cross. Just it's not. It's really hard at times because... Because especially if it's been something that is so dear to us, so woven into our identity. Like for me, music was the biggest thing. Like I'm a musician. This, I didn't want to be anything else but a musician. And then when that door closed, just being able to just thinking, okay, this is not God hasn't taken music away. But just the way I thought it was going to look like, he just thought, oh, it's it's much better over here and it's much better over here it really is but um and just being okay with with this and again honestly it, it comes back to when you know that he's your dad you know he's good you know he's el roi the one who sees you it's like okay dad because i won't be forgotten you know it's, it's really okay i can just leave it he can do this with your relationships he can do this with your job. He can do this with your future. Actually, you have to do this with all of those things. This is your life. Because for you, I mean, all of us, we agree in theory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to have a dream in your life that isn't from God. Sounds great. But if, if it's so woven into who you are that you have no idea who you are without this thing, if it's so part of your identity... God just, in his gentleness and his approach, is like, all right, just, I'll just keep pouring identity into you until one day you're, 
It's just like this. And we're holding on to this like little orphan kids hiding a piece of bread. It's like, yeah, but there's a whole buffet. It's like, yeah, but this. It's like, all right, don't, don't worry. You've got, you just, you get to learn trust. And you get to practice trust. And one day, because he's so confident in his love for you. Ah, it blows my mind. Like, I'll, it's like, like you're a frog that he's boiling. You don't even know it that he's turning up the heat. But he knows. It's like his love is just going to, oh, I'm going to get you. One day, one day you won't be able but to let go of those things. And I love this about him. So it's not a, okay, right, today all of us, we need to just let go. And No, no, no. He's just, he sees exactly where you're at. And, uh, and in that, he's just like, come on, do you want to trust me? And it's still a choice. It, it, it won't be just a, oh, I just fell off and glory to God. It's just, you better believe that it was a big choice for Abraham. Better believe it was a big choice for Jesus. And so just you giving yourself, your identity, your dreams, your hope, what you think is your future over to God and say, that really is scary. I'm not sure what I'm going to get back, if anything. But I know that it's good for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. It's this, you see me. So take it, give me more. It's really good. And yeah, so that's, that's this journey that we're on, this walking in sonship. Um, and true sons, they, they just walk around like this. Just, and true orphans walk around like this. And uh, there's probably areas in our life where we're just like doing a little bit of this. And other areas where we're like, oh, this is amazing. Everybody should do this. Why, why can't you see that God's good? Yeah. And then other areas like, yeah, but not my health, not my future, not my this. So I bless you guys to walk in the truth that he is your good dad, that he sees you. And that, ah, that we get to constantly just give ourselves to you over and over and over again as this worship offering. Here is my heart. It's all yours. And I thank you that every dream that is from you, ah, it just comes back beautifully refined and every twisted thing that we've kind of put, yeah, turned into something that isn't from you, I thank you that it just stays at the cross. That we get to walk in true liberty. Ah. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.